This is Leader ReadyCast, a monthly podcast featuring real-world lessons, best practices, and action-oriented insights for the you're-it moments when you're called upon to lead. Leader ReadyCast is the official podcast of the National Preparedness Leadership Initiative, a joint program of the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health and the Center for Public Leadership at the Harvard John F. Kennedy School of Government. Subscribe to Leader ReadyCast wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Welcome to the latest Leader ReadyCast minicast focusing on immediate takeaways from the response to the coronavirus pandemic. This is leadership news you can use, kept concise to fit into the busy days of EM professionals. Now, of course, it isn't only the professionals who are stepping up to fight coronavirus. Everyday citizens around the world are taking the initiative as well. Our guest today has been collecting the stories of these disaster heroes for several years, well before the coronavirus. Suzanne Bernier is a former journalist and government press secretary. Suzanne is now a multi-certified, award-winning, and internationally recognized crisis management consultant, speaker, and author. She's helped governments, communities, and companies plan for and respond to disasters for more than 20 years. We're lucky to have her for this minicast, and we'll also have a full-length episode with her in the weeks ahead. Suzanne, welcome to Leader ReadyCast. Thanks, Eric. It's great to be on today. Thanks for having me. Well, really lucky to have you here and appreciate it. Now, as you look out over the landscape and the people you're talking to during this incident, who are the leaders, the disaster heroes who are inspiring you during this outbreak? I think obviously the healthcare workers have been acknowledged um, as the heroes in this particular emergency. The healthcare workers, but also anybody who's been deemed essential workers or those critical workers that are, whether it's our first responders, those who are keeping the power on in our communities, all of those people that normally maybe we wouldn't think of them as our heroes that step up during an emergency. But for this specific one, I think it's identifying all of these other types of heroes where I've always kind of said the, the, the reason I wanted to write the book in the first place, Disaster Heroes, was to focus on the point that you don't necessarily need a badge to be a hero. And I think that's kind of what's coming out now with the pandemic scenario is that there are a lot of these heroes that are our heroes now, the people who are working at the grocery stores to be able to still bring our food, the truckers who are continuing to make their journeys across so that we can get fed. All of these different heroes that are coming up now, I think is just sort of demonstrating what I've been trying to demonstrate for a while now, which is let's look at all of these other heroes that that come up and recognize them and, and recognize that we all might be able to have something to contribute as far as a talent or a skill that we could perhaps use during any kind of an emergency, whether it's a pandemic emergency or a natural disaster or anything else. Well, I think it's really important that you mention all those essential frontline workers. And now I think we are realizing just how important the people are who check out our groceries and who pack our prescriptions and do all kinds of tasks that are now, we, we are seeing how essential they are. And yet they're doing it at personal risk to themselves. And I know with great uh, psychological and emotional stress, I've heard some really compelling stories, obviously from the, the ICUs and the and the healthcare facilities, but also, for, as you mentioned, from supermarkets and, and other facilities that we don't think of as the front line, but in this disaster, they indeed are the front line and we count on these people. For sure, yeah. 
I think what we're seeing too is something that a term I think that you, I'm sure you've heard this a lot in, in your career and, and it's kind of the buzzword that's been pretty popular for the last several years is the concept of public-private partnerships. And where I think that the disaster heroes and the concept of these everyday heroes comes into play, play in that is I would add another P to that. And I've always thought that there's a key missing there, which is people. And that's really what it's all about is people, just everyday people stepping up to the plate and us recognizing as emergency managers and as leaders and as coordinators during any kind of a response that we need to look at these everyday people as part of these partnerships. And now I think that we're, we're recognizing that more and more, you know, before this happened, but I think even more so now, I think our industry that perhaps didn't maybe consider everyday people as part of the solution as much might, I think that'll flip specifically with this type of emergency that we're facing. I hope so. And I know, I think the, uh, the term public-private partnership is, has gotten constrained over the years and, and because it's been held too closely to those sort of big formal agreements that require lots of lawyers and have a lot of pages and have a lot of stated obligations. I, I've come to prefer the term predictable surge, where you know that certain people are going to step up, certain organizations, companies are going to step up and do things for you. And the, and the more, particularly local emergency managers are aware of who's in the community and who's likely to do what, the more they can better plan to utilize them in a situation like this. And, and knowing when a, when a supermarket's willing to stay open and when it's not, or what, what it's going to take to do that. So I think you make, some, you make a great point. Now, I like that term too, predictable surge. I like that. I'll put a link in, uh, to an article in the, uh, in the show notes here, and I'll send you a copy as well. So all of our listeners will be able to get it because I do think there's, there's so much potential there if we can better integrate some of these people who, as you say, don't have a badge, aren't necessarily part of the formal response structure. Mm-hmm. So what, what, are they, what are they getting right when they do it? What does it take, as you say, to lead without a badge or to lead from outside of the formal response apparatus? Right. I think that what I've noticed a common skill that all of these everyday heroes have is the ability to be able to have an idea and think outside the box and be able to speak to others about it. Really, that's kind of all it is that I've seen in common anyway with with most of the people that I've been able to interview or talk to is that there's the, the common the commonality that they're able to think of an idea that's creative. And I think that that's another thing that maybe when we're in the, whatever field we're in, I think sometimes we get caught up in that field so much and how we're trained to think and, you know, all of the boxes that you have to check off that we sometimes we're trained not to think outside the box. And so I think that it's good that we can get or find people that weren't trained in what we were trained in, whether it's disaster management or leadership skills or whatever it is, because it's because they weren't skilled or trained in that way that they're able to come up with these creative and innovative solutions and suggestions. And that's one of the things is creativity, first of all. And I think that that maybe is something that we lack sometimes when we have to check off again, you know, we have to be so specific and make sure that, which we of course have to do when we're talking about life and death situations, right? But I think that there's, that's just a challenge sometimes as well in our field 
um, and, and being able to share real life stories and, and being able to make people aware of the types of talents and skills that they may have and make us in the industry aware and open to the talents and the things that other people might have. But I think after this disaster that we're all going through right now, I don't know that we're going to have to convince people anymore of the need to be able to access other people and everyday people to be able to train them to do important work that we need them to do. Because I think we're probably going to see that happening quite a bit over the next several weeks and months as different critical industries have to still work and respond to everyday events that are going on while we're in a pandemic situation. I think that we're going to see a lot more creative use of everyday individuals to be able to perform critical roles throughout the whole length of this pandemic until a vaccine is out probably. Yes, and I think you make a really important point, which is the is educating the industry. And I think there, there was some momentum behind this before the coronavirus hit, and I agree with you. I think it's going to accelerate afterwards. This is not in any way uh, dismissing the professional responders and the important work to do and the, the highly skilled work they're trained to do. This is additive. This is and, not or. And finding there are ideas, skills, capacity that you can, uh, when you can leverage the general public that's willing to help, that has certain expertise, you just, you have a greater capacity and capability of responding. Right, and, and, and right, the, the first responders, they are crucial, of course, in being able to be there and be able to perform their roles. So if anything, what this enables them to be able to do that, and then maybe takes away from those other roles that they might be assigned that aren't as critical, that then others could be trained to do or could do those other things that then aren't, aren't taking away from those skilled workers that need to be performing those critical roles. That's right. Absolutely. And, it, and, it, and I know there's some, uh, through the MPLI, one of our, our project teams uh, put together a training program to help actually first responders, professional responders, understand how, how you might do that and, and better understand how to, how to utilize the general public. And I remember a story from that team presentation where they talked to tell the story of a, a police officer who came to a, a pond where there was a, a drowning child and of course the officer shows up with a belt with a lot of weight on it with a gun and radio and all that and he realizes that the time it's going to take him to get his to get rid of all that and get into the water the person could die and so he looked at the crowd and said who can swim over here who cannot swim get over there you can and then you get the people who could swim into the water to save the boy because he realized that was the fastest way to take effective action. And it wasn't for him to be the person who had to go out and do the swimming to save the person. Once they brought him in, he could then do CPR and other things that he was trained to do. Now, for those who hear this podcast and get inspired to want to step up, what are, some, what are some of the opportunities and what are some of the common pitfalls you'd advise they avoid? Well, I think there's so many different creative ways to be able to step up and be a disaster hero now, not just for during the pandemic situation, but I'm, I'm talking about nowadays, just with social media and being able to go online and access different things. So I would encourage people to, to do that, to go online and see if you've got a specific interest or a talent or a skill that you think, hmm, somehow you may be able to use that skill to be able to help during a specific emergency. Well, think about what that might be. And then go online and, and take a look and see um, what different volunteer organizations are out there um, that you may be able to, to help with that. And uh, that's one thing that 
kind of now I started off by writing a book talking about the tales of people who've done great things called disaster heroes. But now people are kind of contacting me as well to be a conduit to be because now I'm kind of connected with a lot of different creative people who've come up with some creative solutions on how to be to be heroes during disasters. So if people are interested, they could even reach out to disaster heroes. And, um, and there's so many ways that I could let people know about what you could do to, to be a hero with your own specific skill or interest as well. Well, those are terrific insights, Suzanne, and we at the MPLI so appreciate your work and your ongoing efforts to chronicle the achievements of disaster heroes. Now, you can learn more about Suzanne and her book, podcast, and more at www.suzannebernier.com and www.disasterheroes.com. Now, be sure to join us for the next edition of Leader ReadyCast. Until then, stay healthy and always be ready to lead. This has been another episode of Leader ReadyCast from the National Preparedness Leadership Initiative. Subscribe to Leader ReadyCast wherever you get your favorite podcasts and find out more about us at npli.sph.harvard.edu. Follow us on Twitter at HarvardNPLI. Thanks for listening and be ready to lead.